Hello, hello, I am Christian Parraga and this is Ken Show, Growth by Pain, where you can get experiences from guests hoping they will give you inside moments. Today I'm with Drew Kairos. Drew has two bachelor's degree in business management and criminal justice, a master's degree in security studies risk management. He is a certified facilitator of David Bayer's study business and mindset methodologies. He is author, speaker, entrepreneur, and CEO of Alpha Dog Success LLC, a global coaching and training company focused on helping aspiring entrepreneurs and individuals harness the maximum power of human performance, intelligence, and potential. His entrepreneur journey started over 10 years ago. Personally, he started eight business and made over six million. He personally mentored and coached over 1,000 individuals and business owners in 12 different countries over the last five years. Drew, I'm happy to have you here. Welcome to Kensho Podcast. Thank you, Kristen. It's a pleasure to be here. That's a great intro, too. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really thrilled, really excited. I have many questions I, I was telling you before, from business to life, passing through hobbies, We could have five parts of this talk, (laughs) but I will start asking you, how are you? I am fantastic. Thanks for asking. As I start uh, with all the episodes, I go with the main questions of the podcast. That is, what is the hardest moment in your life and how it helped you? All right. So diving right in. (laughs) Directly. Yeah. (laughs) Um, So... The hardest moment for me in in my life so far was definitely um, back in 1999. Um, I was 10 years old at the time. Um, It was right before my 11th birthday. I was diagnosed with cancer. And it was, so it was uh, Ewing sarcoma is the name of the cancer. It's extremely rare um, overall but it's supposed to affect kind of children in that age range. Um, But every documented case that I had seen in the eight hospitals I went to um, for opinions on treatment had only seen it in long bones. So people that had it either in their arms or in their legs and mine was in my spine. Wow. So I was kind of an exception to the rule right off the bat. And that definitely set the bar for how my treatment was going to go. I had more mishaps and more issues than anyone they had seen in the hospital I was at. (laughs) Um, Which, what I was told, if you have a rough time in treatment, it means you have a better prognosis long term. Um, I hadn't heard that before, so that was kind of enlightening for me because... I've been now in remission for almost 20 or uh, 19 years, I believe, which is wow. pretty exciting. Yeah, that is kind of hard. You were pretty young, starting like living, as people say. It's 10 years. You almost were playing just all the time. <laughs> and you, yeah, yeah, exactly. And that, that was really the hard part about this. Um, they had... It, it took so long to figure out what was actually wrong with me because of my age. Um, so I was super active. I played soccer all the time. I was always out running around. Um, and 
they thought that I basically had growing pains or had a pulled muscle because the symptoms that I was getting from this tumor in my spine were all in my left leg. So it was causing pain and um, just like basically different nerve pain. And then it was affecting my movement um, towards the end where it got to the point that I couldn't flex my foot. Um, but a after going in for so many x-rays or cat scans of my leg and they're like, Oh, it's just a pulled muscle. It's just a pulled muscle or it's growing pains. Um, it took about six months of just going back continuously every couple weeks with the same issue until it was finally discovered. But it's definitely like you were saying, it's hard for somebody at that age to even wrap your head around it. Wow. Yes. It is hard. That being unnoticed for six months, also really hard because you were wondering, of course, why this pain, they say that will pass and why is coming back. And well, yes, I understand. That is the noticing, of course, for you in that age, when you already, uh, the doctor said that you had cancer, what was your first impression? What did you think about? That is a great question. Um, I mean, I didn't really know a whole lot about it at that point in time. So I didn't really have any expectations. I didn't have any family members that had had cancer when I was younger. Um, so it was really just kind of eye opening for me. And I didn't really know what to think other than like, how do I get rid of it? <laughs> like, what's the next step? Yes, of course. Especially, I think, in that moment, uh, the expression of the doctor, well, wh how he said and what he said made you feel or either scared or you were like, okay, with the notice because maybe you didn't even know uh, what is the procedure of, of cancer on what you will be, what will happen with you after this or you had some idea about it. Um, I honestly had no idea. I didn't even really know what cancer was at that point in time. Like I knew it was something that made you sick, basically, um, that could require a long time to get better. <laughs> um, so that was kind of the extent of it at the time. I just, I wanted to, was ready to move on, basically. So after the amount of time that we spent trying to figure out what was wrong with me, um, and we finally figured it out, it was like, all right, so... Now what? <laughs> Then I think the hard notice was not for you. Maybe it was for your parents. How did they react? Remember? Um, not really. I know I, I first heard it from my mom and she's an RN. So she's a nurse already and is around all of that stuff all the time. But I know it was probably harder for them than for me just because they have all of the baggage from their life that they've associated with cancer or with that sickness based on their previous experiences with it. Um, so I'm sure for them, it was more traumatizing than for somebody like me, who's basically starting with a clean slate. Does that make sense? Yes, totally. Well, I can say as, a, as my experience, when I heard that I had cancer also, it was frightening because I knew that for me, uh, the relation was cancer equals death mm -hmm. and and for many people they are like that that is the first thing i i, I thought that I, i might die so soon <laughs> but the reaction of the doctor uh helped me a lot actually 
And that's why I was asking uh, the reaction or the notice on how, how the doctor told you this uh, disease will affect you, of course, help you. But in that age, yeah, it's really, I'm trying to understand because 10, eight, 10 years, of course, you're uh, learning many things yet. And as you said, you're clean, you're, you don't have any notice ab about it. And I think that it's a pro against uh, other thing because your mindset was clean. Uh, let me uh, explain me better because now you have the all the knowledge. Uh, can you compare how will it be if it was like uh, getting the notice now or and versus 10 years ago? Oh no, not 10 years when you were 10 years old. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So it's, it's really, um, when you're receiving that notice, your reaction is based on your perception of the experience. So, um, like I was saying originally at that point in time, I didn't have any of these beliefs, thoughts, feelings, experiences related to cancer in any way, positive or negative. So all I knew was that it was a type of sickness. Um, I didn't know what it would take to get better. I didn't know if it was even an option to not get better. Um, whereas at this point, if I had seen, I mean, if I was diagnosed with the same thing at this point, it, it would definitely be a completely different story. Obviously, I have a different set of beliefs at this point in time. Um, I've seen a lot of people that didn't do well with cancer, um, but I also understand the importance of mindset in the first place. Um, I mean, that's, we know that your mindset and your beliefs can affect your reality um, in multiple ways. That's why the placebo effect is a thing. So for me at this point in time, I, I don't know if I would be as willing to go through as much of a treatment as I went through. Um, like I, I did 58 weeks of chemotherapy. I did radiation therapy. I had 17 surgeries altogether. Like it, it's just a crazy amount of medical work. Um, so I don't know if I would do all of that again, if it were to happen to me at this point in time. Um, but I would definitely be more scared knowing the statistics and the survival rates and everything like that based on that specific diagnosis. Yeah, it is very different. And as you said, your path uh, through this uh, to the disease, it was hard because you were like having 17 surgeries. It is really hard. Uh, yeah, it's quite a few. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> it is. I, I I had one, and that was all. Then I just started the the all the chemo, and for I thought it was hard, but I imagined yours as a kid. How this changed you? Uh, of course, you were not able to be mobilized as before, but this made a change in you. What kind of change made? So I had a lot of things that were different for me at that age range because obviously that kind of 11 year old 10 11 year old age range is when you're really discovering yourself and you're learning about other people and forming new relationships and friendships and things like that and i didn't really do any of that um because I, I more or less lived in the hospital for two years i would go home for three days every month or so if i was able to get out um so i had a tutor that came so that i didn't have to stay behind in school. So basically for most of fifth grade, all of sixth grade, I was tutored. 
So I didn't really have any interaction with other kids or other like social situations that people attribute to that age range. Um, and I know that definitely it enabled me to kind of develop a different way, I think, where I was able to get a different set of priorities and kind of change my perception on what life is so that I didn't worry about all of the little things. Um, I remember when I went, finally went back to school and this was um, seventh grade would have been when I went back. Um, so like middle school, high school, when everybody's worrying about test deadlines or homework or who they're dating or who they're going to bring to prom or whatever, little things like that, that I knew already at that point mean absolutely nothing. <laughs> like big picture, they don't mean anything. They may worry you a little bit for like a minute or two, but um, just the way I had perceived everything at that point was like, if it doesn't matter five years from now, then don't spend more than five minutes in suffering about it. Yeah, perception and people could say that you you mature very young, as it's oh, absolutely. Yes, and also through the path, something uh, hard happened to you. You mentioned me that that is about your dad, that that experience because you were having the chemos and uh, your dad had well passed away, right? This yeah. So he he had a heart attack about six months into my treatment. Oh, you were almost uh, at the beginning of the treatment, or in the middle. Um, it was about a third of the way through started treatment in March and he died in September. Um, and then I went for basically a whole year after that. Mm, how did you take it? Because you were already, maybe, I don't know if you were fragile because of the, of the chemo and that plus, the, uh, the experience about your dad. Uh, I don't know. How, how did you take it? Not very well. <laughs> I, I definitely remember that moment. Um, when I had first heard and I was kind of one of those like belligerent little kids when I first heard about it where I was like screaming and throwing things. I just didn't want to believe that it was true. Yeah, it's totally yeah. hard. Yeah, absolutely. And that that's another thing that'll just change your perspective on life. Yeah, of course. That's I, I, totally is always a monumental thing. Yes, that's why I, I totally understand now when you say when you were back to to school and people were worrying about the small things at, at the age uh, at that age maybe it is big deal, but for right. you it was totally different because you already saw many things. Yeah, so I I mean I used to get it was almost like not not really made fun of, but I was definitely singled out for my reaction to everything because everybody was just like, you're always so calm. Like, you're just cool all the time. <laughs> and I'm like, yeah, there's, there's nothing happening that's worth getting worked up about. And they just, they couldn't wrap their heads around it because for them at that age, then like a, a test or a term paper or something was a big thing. And since you were already in a different journey because you mature very young, what was the difference uh, uh, you experienced already? Because your perception was different, your mindset was already different. Which kind of path you took? I mean, if when did self-development, entrepreneurship started for you? And 
this journey because this change of this uh, of the disease made a big difference in your life. So it has absolutely. I actually the first business I ever had, um, if you can call it a business, was I think back in seventh grade, something like that, when I first went back to school, and I used to go to I think it was Sam's Club. So it's like a, a big wholesale store like that, that like Costco or anything like that. Um, and I would buy these like giant cases of like gum or candy. And I would just put a box in my backpack and I would sell them to people during class where it was like a dollar a bar or a dollar for whatever. And I probably spent $4 on like a 50 pack in a huge box. <laughs> um, so that, that was my first first journey as an entrepreneur. Um, like you said in the beginning, since then I've started eight other businesses, most of which I'm not running anymore. I've either sold them or I've merged them into a different business. Um, but it, it's definitely, it, it, it's funny to think about things like that too, actually. <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. And it's interesting because being a big part of entrepreneurship is being uh, the part of sales and you start selling very young. So that's why I, and I understand why you have eight businesses. Uh, can you talk about uh, Alpha Dog Success LLC about? Yeah, so Alpha Dog Success is my most recent business venture. Um, it's a coaching business. So um, we basically focus on the neuroscience of transformation, what it takes for somebody to evolve to the next level of themselves. Um, and we bridge that, we connect everything with science. So the scientific understanding of like beliefs, behavioral psychology, neuroscience. And I, I like to tie it into different spiritual principles and laws. So things that I am personally into, like I, I use um, crystals and things like that. I do affirmations, meditations, I've actually, I'm a, a certified Reiki master, so I can practice Reiki. I've done shamanic journeying. So I kind of tie everything together to create breakthroughs and transformation um, and just kind of help people evolve to the next level of themselves. Because that's what I see happening in the world right now anyway, is kind of an evolution where we're becoming more aware of our thoughts and how our beliefs can affect our reality. So this is this coaching business is a way for people to really kind of get a jump start on all of that. So shoot past all of the traditional personal development and jump right into what it takes to evolve to the next person, how to recognize your beliefs, how to change them, how you can manifest more powerfully in your current reality, everything like that. That is awesome. And I think this is what you call a difference between personal development 1.0 and versus personal development 2.0, right? Yeah, exactly. So that that's one of the big selling points for my business is about kind of overcoming the broken promises of personal development, where traditional personal development, if you're looking at um, like buying a book, like reading books after book or going to event after event or even hiring a coach, if you're doing just those traditional personal development models, you're only really going to grow incrementally. So you'll grow a little bit at a time as you're doing whatever you're learning. And then as soon as you stop, you're done. Or you just hit this kind of imaginary ceiling that you can no longer break through because everything you're doing with 
traditional personal development is really about almost fake it till you make it. It's like covering up things without cleaning, like planting new flowers in a garden bed without pulling out all the weeds first. <laughs> if you want to look at it that way. Yes, yes, it is. Because as I think I mentioned uh, to you, I started this path since uh, the disease in 2017. And I was growing, but not as I wish, because mm -hmm. it's been like, Uh, more than 10 years and I've been reading, going to um, events, learning, 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 but I, I didn't see like the exponential thing. It was little by little. Yeah, know? exactly. So at that point, doing what you're doing and having that much experience, you feel like you already know personal development, but at the same time, you're still experiencing some level of stuck, right? Yes, totally. <laughs> So a big change that was for me, it was something I added, I think. It was the spiritual thing that, that you mm -hmm. were mentioning before. And I will ask about that uh, in a moment. But taking that and making it important made a big difference in my, in my life uh, after this 10 years. Yeah, and I started that in 2017. Actually, 10 years after I, I, I started that. And it was a big change for me. And this is uh, my question now. Since you uh, add this spiritual thing uh, to the entrepreneurship, personal development, how do you do it? Because it's not so easy to open people. For example, one people goes and tells you, I want to be coached by you. Uh, but he's not interested in, in spiritual growth also. What would you tell him or tell her? Um, well, basically, everything that I start with is science, um, which kind of helps bridge the gap a little bit easier. Um, so it's really like the next wave of personal development. When I say it's about evolution, it's about learning how to permanently and fundamentally change the way you think, or essentially like how to rewire and restructure your brain. Because your thoughts, your beliefs, your experiences create neural pathways in your brain. So there's physical signs of your beliefs. And you can change them by creating a new belief. Um, so a lot of the time, what I do with these, um, especially people that aren't really into spirituality, like you were saying, is I lead off with science. Because you can't argue science. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and you can always kind of build into spirituality uh, to some extent. Um, so I like to even add simple exercises like meditation or visualization type of things, um, which a lot of people, once they start kind of slowing down and connecting with themselves, will also develop a relationship with some sort of higher power. And that's interesting. And did you ever do Reiki or or use the, the rocks with them or or not at the beginning? Um, no, I usually don't. Most of my coaching right now is actually done remotely. So it's either on the phone or via video chat or something like that. Um, every once in a while, I, I'll go do a talk or a presentation somewhere. And if that's the case, if I'm meeting people face-to-face, -face, then absolutely. I'll, I'll tie in some kind of energy work That is nice. I'm asking this also because I, I was thinking before how to 
do the mix because I am Reiki level two mm -hmm. and I was trying to see how I can apply this knowledge to entrepreneurship. And I, I still don't, I didn't do it, but I would like to see if you, you can help me with this also. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's the, the cool thing about Reiki. It's, it really is just energy work. Um, but you can kind of infuse your energy into anything. So you can, um, and I know if you're already level two, you did level one is self-healing, level two is healing others. Um, you already know about how you can like infuse your food or your water with the same healing energies when before you eat or drink or something like that. You can do the same thing with your work. Just sit down, kind of um, activate yourself if that's how you want to look at it um, and set an intention for what you're going to do. So you could do it before you do a training or before a coaching session or something like that. Um, set an intention and kind of get that energy flowing before you get started in your work. It doesn't even necessarily have to be a, a physical hands-on type of Reiki. Mm. Oh yes. Interesting. I'll do that. I'll do that. And now let's talk about perspective. We were talking about the beginning when you said about the story, but let's go deeper about that. How important is perspective? Hmm. So I think basically our perspective is kind of how, how we become aware of things. So how we become aware of success, failure, happiness, friendships, love, everything else. It's basically all just a perception. So it's how we perceive, um, even just let's say how, how we perceive failure or defeat and like how we react to that can make all the difference in our life. So uh, perception as a, a personal opinion or like our point of view of a particular event, it's really like your perception could arguably be the same as your beliefs. It's going to be in line with your beliefs because everything that you think, feel, act, do is in line with your beliefs. So it's, a, I don't know, does that answer your question? <laughs> yes, it is. It did. It, 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 it. Now let's take this perspective and beliefs that were are together. One will take this for the, say, as we are like, I don't like to call it survivors, but let's call like that we've been in cancer and we know that experience that, mm -hmm. but this perspective and beliefs, it's important in order to, to be more aware of life or a person who is diagnosed uh, it could be any uh, any kind of disease. Mm -hmm. What would you tell them to maybe change in some beliefs or maybe do some first steps uh, in order to help them to have a better journey in this sickness? Um, yeah. So the first thing that definitely that I would recommend is it, it's important to realize that um, first off, your beliefs do influence your reality. <laughs> um, and the only reason why we have so much evidence for our current beliefs is because of, it's actually, it's kind of a, a bigger teaching, um, but it's what we call the five primary drivers. 
so the five primary drivers are beliefs, thoughts, feelings, actions, results, and it just kind of flows together. So once you believe something, that's basically how you're going to think, how you're going to act, and that's the results that you're going to produce in your life. And it just kind of reinforces itself. And it's really what we need to learn to do is not only recognize what beliefs we have, but also our thoughts about certain situations. So when you're thinking about beliefs, a lot of the time beliefs are kind of like these, whatever we think of cartoons, like these puffy clouds up above our head where it's like, you can never actually grasp them and you don't really know what they are. And there's actually, it's a a small little distinction that I learned from my last mentor Um, which was David Bayer, that beliefs are actually decisions. So we all know how to make new decisions. And even just just looking back, if you find evidence for that, like maybe you had a job that you liked and then you suddenly didn't like it. So you decided to get another job and you got another job or you were dating someone who you thought you really liked and then you realized you didn't. So you decided to date somebody else. and. It's really like when you give yourself permission to make it a new decision like that, it can be as big or as small as you want. But when you make that kind of give yourself permission to make that new decision, it changes everything. It'll change your whole perspective moving forward. Mm, I see. Uh, I could honestly, I have a whole 90 minute presentation on the power of decision. So (laughs) yes, it's really deep. It's really deep. And that's why I was telling you at the beginning, we could make five parts of this talk because it could go really, really long. (laughs) Absolutely. Let's call this part one. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. Yeah. Let's go with part one that I like. I like now the same, the perspective and the beliefs and is the five, uh, how do you call five? Five primary drivers. Five primary drivers. Mm-hmm. Okay. So if we have a belief, will make us act. And may, for example, with the food, it's important uh, to be healthy. Mm-hmm. Uh, but if we don't have that belief or we don't believe that the, the food will make us feel good or feel healthy, of course, we won't take care of our food and in business because you are a business coach also what is the change or the beliefs that you recommend at the beginning or the first uh, change people should do in their beliefs in order to act different so it's hard to say specifically because everybody's different we all have a different set of beliefs based on our upbringing or in our previous life experience um a lot of the decisions or the kind of limiting beliefs, if you want to call it that, I know that's kind of a a trigger word for a lot of people. Um, A a lot of limiting beliefs pertaining to business kind of stem around the whole, um, like not being good enough. If there's like an imposter syndrome type of deal um, or that money's hard to make um, or that, you can't trust people in business. Like you have to do it all on your own. Um, those are some of the really common limiting beliefs that I see. So even if you, let's just use the, the not good enough. 
So if you have this limiting belief that you're not good enough, then when you sit down at your computer to do your work, to make sales calls, send out emails, put a proposal together, whatever you're going to do, you're going to be thinking these self-critical thoughts that are all connected to the idea of not being good enough. So you're going to think about doing phone calls and you'll think about how nobody's going to answer or nobody's going to want to buy what you're offering or you'll think about sending emails and you're going to think that people won't respond because the email isn't good enough or you aren't good enough or your business model isn't good enough. So everything is going to be driven by that core limiting belief of not being good enough. And the really, it, it kind of, if we follow the primary drivers here, um, the belief is not being good enough. Your thoughts are what I just went through that are all going to be in line with not being good enough. And whenever you have a thought, you also have a feeling associated with it. So when you're in front of your computer, believing you aren't good enough, trying to do the things you know you need to do to grow your business, but struggling because you're thinking you won't do them well, and you're thinking you're not good enough, you're going to start to experience the emotions that are in alignment with that thought. So you might start feeling frustrated or overwhelmed or feeling rejection or just feeling not good enough, even though there's nothing actually going on in your external environment to trigger those feelings. It's just like you sitting in front of your computer, creating these things in your head that's making you feel like crap. <laughs> so it's really, that's the biggest thing for people in business right now. So when you're sitting there and you're feeling that way, you feel like you don't know how to do it right or that you're going to do it wrong or that people aren't going to react to it. You're probably not going to go do those things, right? You're not going to send those emails out. You're basically going to avoid doing them. So you're going to take some form of action that's out of alignment with actually producing the results that you want to produce. And in a lot of people's case, that action is inaction. It's not doing anything. <laughs> and everybody has a different way of dealing with kind of those negative emotions or those suffering states. Um, but I find inaction is really the biggest. So kind of our next logical question is how do we change those beliefs, right? Exactly. I was about to ask you that. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, First off, I know I'm not the first person to mention limiting beliefs because it's everywhere right now, but the challenge is that we're never actually taught how to change those beliefs. So first, it's important to realize that the only reason you have evidence for your limiting belief that's causing you to stay stuck there is just because you've been caught up in that psycho-cybernetic loop for so long, you've been kind of reliving that same, whatever you want to call it, downward spiral even. You're kind of hitting the same points over and over. So when you sit down and you feel that way and then you get up and you don't do it and it just reinforces that same feeling and it kind of, it, it'll keep doing that either until you become aware of the loop that you're stuck in or until you take the time to get to kind of mindset 2.0 or personal development 2.0, um, which is about making a new empowering decision to follow instead. Okay, great. Okay. Does that make sense so far? Yeah, totally. But 
I think it's not hard to be aware of the beliefs that you have. Okay, let's say I'm feeling I'm not enough or I'm feeling that I will screw with this email, sending the email and maybe they will say no. But mm -hmm. maybe maybe in that moment you realize, oh, I'm saying this. Now, what the person should do? Should start saying uh, or, or thinking, I can do it, I can do it or it's like fake it as you were saying fake it until you make it you have to kind of dissect it a little bit further so when you have you think you have these limiting beliefs um generally they come from a time when you were much younger so 95 of our subconscious is formed when we're like before seven years old pretty much um So a lot of our beliefs are formed at that point in time. And usually what I tell people to do is to think of a situation, a specific situation that um, you can attribute to that feeling. And so if you're feeling not good enough, think of a, a specific time when you last felt or thought to yourself, I'm not good enough. And then really, instead of trying to move on from it immediately, instead of immediately jumping to like the opposite of that and trying to say, Oh, I am good enough. because it doesn't always work that way. Um, think about what specific thoughts you have about not being good enough. So typically, um, if you're recognizing limiting beliefs, it's going to be almost like a, a little kid is talking to you. It'll be like the little kid inside your head, the little toddler voice in there. Um, it's not going to be a very complicated thought. <laughs> so if you can simplify it as, as much as you can. So even if it's like, I'm not good enough as a pretty simplified one. Um, but generally what you would do at that point, um, the easiest thing to do is like you said, kind of take the polar opposite of that belief. So what I have people do is write everything down to, Um, you can write down your limiting belief, write down your new empowering belief. So the old belief is I'm not good enough. Your new one is I am good enough or however you want to phrase that. And then the most important part of the transformation is finding evidence for that new belief. So go look at your life through that new lens of I am good enough and see if you can find supporting evidence in your life that proves that you are good enough or that you're doing enough or that whatever that belief is. Now so it's really, that makes sense. yes, it does. Yes, it does. And that, that's the part that most people leave off is kind of the evidence. So when you're creating a new belief like that, you're creating a new neural pathway in your brain. And it's really like, if, if you want to think of it, like your old belief that you've been traveling for the last 30 years or however long is going to be like a four lane highway. So that's, it's like a, a big neural pathway that you've been using a lot. And your new belief that you just created is going to be like a little bicycle path right next to that. So it's hard for you to, to stay on that new path because we don't know what's on that path. There could be like a saber tooth tiger or something that's going to jump out and eat us. Um, so like we're, we're conditioned to be afraid of change because of our, our caveman brains basically. So when you're going down that bicycle path, you need to keep finding new evidence for why that is the right path to be on. 
and why that basically why life is already supporting you on that path. So what evidence can you find in your life that shows that that is true and that the old way is not true? Um, and then our, our subconscious mind, which is the caveman brain is going to keep trying to push you back to the old ways because even though they're not really getting us where we want to go, the old way is safe and we know where it takes us. We know everything about that old decision because we've lived it so many times. Yeah. Yes. That's awesome. I love personality development 2.0. That is part of alpha dog success that you do. All right. With people. It is absolutely. Awesome. I have a course and I do coaching on all of this stuff. Awesome. Awesome. Let's talk uh, something I really, I will change a little bit of topic, but I think it's at the end uh, together, but in your story, it's, you made a big change because uh, you were studying and you have uh, master degrees, but you decided to focus in other ways because it wasn't fulfilling you, I guess. It's, mm -hmm. It wasn't your passion. Uh, am I right? Yeah, yeah, you are definitely. How did you find your passion? Because it's easy to know that is not that is not for you, but how to find your passions. Many people are struggling in that also. They don't like their jobs or they don't look, they don't like uh, their lives for us to say, but they don't know what to do. <laughs> right. So the, the most important thing is getting clear on what you do want because <laughs> you would be surprised how many people, like you were saying, are unhappy in their current situations or with their current job, but don't know what they would do to make it better. Yes. So if you don't, if you don't have clarity on what you want, how are you ever going to get there? It's like when you're trying to go somewhere with your GPS, if you, you could put in like a city name and it's it'll take you to the city somewhere, but it'll take you anywhere in the city. Whereas if you can get more specific, put in a street name or even like a house number, then you know exactly where you're going and you know what you need to do to get there. So clarity is number one. Um, I was going to say I'm kind of an exception to finding your life purpose because I kind of did it through process of elimination. <laughs> uh, kind of the same, I could say, because I did... I quit and did different things in life. So <laughs> I can say the same as you, but continue, please. That's the best way to live too. You never know till you try, right? <laughs> um, so, so clarity is number one, getting clear on what you want. And the next step is kind of helping yourself visualize what that will look like. Visualization is an extremely powerful tool. There's been a lot of studies on it, actually, um, that kind of show more or less that our brain doesn't know the difference between reality and our imagination. So if you can imagine or visualize what your life would look like when you have what you want, once you have that clarity on what you want, you'll be able to start visualizing ways to make that happen. And that's kind of when the how gets presented to you. So once you allow yourself to start visualizing, make that new decision, get new clarity, you'll be presented with how you're going to make it happen. Yes. Many people trying to find the how first. <laughs> mm -hmm. And that's the mistake. That's the biggest mistake that I see. 
Yes, especially, especially, well, I've seen this more in business. I think it's in everything because they try to find how, but they, they don't really, the image clear, uh, as you say, the clarity of they really want because they are like uh, trying, 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 but they don't really know what the destination, the final destination, they are just trying things. Exactly. And that was kind of that GPS analogy, like I said. So if you kind of simplify everything, your brain is a, a goal achieving machine, basically. It operates off of images. So when you allow yourself to imagine, you're creating a new image. And that is really what gives you the how. So if you think you need to know the how beforehand and you don't know how, then you're not going to spend any time imagining that reality or creating that image for your brain to then kind of bring into reality. Yeah. And it's true. And for that hard people, because uh, are a lot of people that they say, no, I really know. I really need to know how, what is your suggestion? Because um, they don't have it clear. They just know they have, they just want a business that is good for them. And that's all but they don't know exactly what. Uh, how would you encourage them to have the real clarity of their goals? Um, do the work. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> well, it's easy and it's simple. Yes, do. Because <laughs> yes, they don't really do it, right? <laughs> exactly. Yeah. That's, I mean, when you learn to do anything for the first time, it doesn't just happen naturally. When you first learn to talk or when you first learn to walk, You didn't fall down three or four times and then just be like, oh, this isn't for me. <laughs> like you have to keep going with it. Keep the, the same attitude that it will work for you or that you're doing what you want to do and you'll get there. But yeah. you, you can't really get that how until you make that new decision and allow yourself to visualize the future that you want to create. Yes, totally. <laughs> and... Simple question, oh, simple answer for a, a simple question is also. <laughs> Now, perspective. <laughs> perspective, totally. <laughs> Going to the closing questions, and it is important because uh, it's uh, maybe it is hard, especially uh, picking one thing, like one habit or one tool. What is the thing that you did for your success? So I think, let's see, kind of just, just mindset, learning how to master the technology of your mind and to rewire and restructure your brain, basically. That's, I think that's the single most important skill that anybody can learn that wants to really impact the world. It is important because I think it's, it starts everything because mindset, it is really big deal. It is, absolutely. And what is the best advice you ever received? So this is, I, I actually, my dad used to tell me every day when he was younger, my dad was an entrepreneur too. So he used to tell me every day, winners never quit and quitters never win. And I've carried that through my life in everything that I do. So I know if I want to succeed or if I want to win, I can't quit which is the biggest thing that I see for entrepreneurs specifically. We get on kind of this entrepreneur's carousel where we try one thing and then when it doesn't work or doesn't turn out the way we thought it would, we jump on to the next. 
And it's just like going from tactic to tactic without actually following through on anything to make it work. But that's definitely been the biggest for me. Oh, that is great. And it's really good, good advice. And going to the opposite side, what is the worst advice you ever received? <laughs> um, I think that is, I don't remember the exact phrasing for this, um, but basically keep doing what you're doing and it'll get better. Anybody that tells you that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, expecting that. <laughs> expecting things it will change doing the same things it's <laughs> not insane. a good way. yes exactly. <laughs> so we know it, it takes change to get change yes and how do you see yourself in five years drew five years so i'll definitely still be doing this i'll still have this coaching business um hopefully it'll be a little bit bigger at that point maybe i'll have some other coaches working for me too at that point in time definitely looking to move My wife and I have been looking at houses in a little warmer area than where we're at because um, I'm sick of winter here. Yeah. So get a house somewhere warmer, have lots of land, lots of animals, and just keep working from home, changing the world one person at a time. Awesome. <laughs> I see you love animals. You have a couple of dogs, I guess, a big dogs, right? Yeah, I have four dogs and three cats at home. Oh, nice. And you want more. That is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> you can never have too many, as long as you have space in the house. Oh, yes, it's That's true. That's the hard part with the big dogs. I have three Great Danes right now. So they're the three of them range between 165 and 210 pounds. Oh, big, big. Big dogs. <laughs> <laughs> yes, yes. And I really wish you continue doing this. I'm sure uh, you will help a lot, a lot of people by that time because you already started. And um, the good thing about helping people is that you feel better and it fulfills you. And I'm sure it is the big change for you that the one that we're talking about, the passion, right? Absolutely. It's, yeah, extremely rewarding in every way. It's fantastic. And well, as we were mentioning, I hope this is uh, not the only talk that we will have, we will for sure go in for more parts and go deeper in other things that people will ask. If people uh, want to know more about you, Drew, what is the best way to reach you out? Um, let's see. I would say you can even just go to my website. Um, I have a contact form on there. I have my email address and everything on there too. Um, the website's alphadogsuccess.com. Um, or you can always find me on Facebook too. Like All right. that's how you and I connected. So, yes. And I will put the links in the description of the episode. So people will reach you out easily. And before finishing this episode, do you want to say something to the people? Um, yeah. So I guess as long as you're committed to change and you're patient with it, your thoughts, ideas, memories, evidence, um, everything that you may have forgotten will kind of become reactivated in your life and will help you create powerfully with your new decisions. So patience is a virtue for sure. Thank you a lot, Drew, for your time, your knowledge and experience telling us and sharing it. Thank you so much. Yeah, and thank you for having me, Christian. It was a pleasure. And thank you, everybody, for staying tuned. See you until next time.